0: Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organization and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. How often are you online? Are you feeling a little bit burnt out? Are you working from home or does your organization have a hybrid model in place? How's that working out for you? So many transformation programs are digitally enabled these days and our reliance on technology is greater than ever before, isn't it? And so many of us are struggling, stuck in a cycle of unsustainable digital habits. My guest today is Dr. Christy Goodwin. She is a speaker, author and media commentator who's fascinated by how our always switched on digital culture is compromising our well-being and is counter to optimal and sustainable organisational performance and learning. Get ready. (laughs) Christy is an expert on this stuff and she shares a wealth of info in this conversation. We cover everything from the digital habits that could be keeping you stressed and burnt out, digital wellbeing, what leaders can do to better align our new ways of working in this hybrid world with getting the best out of people, why you need to set up digital guardrails with your team and exactly what those are. Christy even shares some great, really practical tips to help you switch off at the end of the day, totally guilt-free and fear-free as well. And by the way, Christy does not suggest phone bans or digital detoxes. She says those are unrealistic and they just don't work. There is so much gold in this episode for change leaders and change managers alike. I know that you're going to love it. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne and this is The New Way Podcast. Let's dive in. Christy, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I am so stoked that we're having this conversation today. Likewise, I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to chatting. Oh, me too. Now, let me set the scene before we dive in. We know, and I know that everyone listening also knows that employee engagement is really a major focus right now for so many organisations in Australia. And there are so many transformation and change programs these days that are digitally enabled. So it doesn't matter if the project or program is about rolling out new technology. Everything is digital these days. Um, and of course, our reliance on technology is um, greater than ever before ever before and we're all kind of are we coming back into the office are we not what are we there's the whole hybrid thing as well that so many organizations are trying to figure out at the moment i know when i talk to change managers so many of them are developing strategies and plans assuming that their stakeholders are engaged <laughs> able to participate they've got the brain space they're going to be able to connect and do all of this kind of thing where the truth is that quite often that is just not the case. People feel tired and burnt out and and stressed and kind of stuck in a cycle that seems to be quite unhealthy. And so that's why I'm so excited for us to chat. I feel like this is such an important topic to explore.
1: It is, and I refer to it as digital burnout, and the research is telling us um, the Global Burnout Study that was published earlier this year said that 34.7% of knowledge workers are presenting with clinical symptoms of burnout. We know that employees are really struggling with the constant barrage of changes and the shift from remote work now to many people embarking on or starting the initial stages of hybrid work. This presents a raft of other challenges and changes, and in particular, because of this, these new ways of working, we have become more digitally dependent. We rely on a plethora of digital tools in ways that we never have seen. The CEO of Microsoft said that most organisations underwent two years worth of digital transformation in two months.
0: Yeah, I've heard that kind of thing too.
1: It's crazy mind-boggling. And because we underwent rapid shifts and because we have now become more reliant on digital technologies, you know, virtual meetings, um, communication channels like Slack and Teams, technology is really constantly bombarding our days. And the reason I think burnout is, particularly digital burnout, is so prevalent is because our digital load has firstly increased. We have created and embedded a culture where we are always on. Microsoft have just published a study and they're calling it the triple peak productivity day. We used to see a hump in productivity around 10 a.m., another one before the bicky hit kicked in around 3 p.m., Our third productivity peak is now happening between 10pm and 11pm at night. And people are saying they don't get any time to do their deep work now during the day because they're going from back-to-back virtual meetings or they're being digitally distracted by constant messages or emails. And the third reason I think that burnout's on the rise, particularly digital burnout, is because we have embraced digital ways of working that are completely incongruent with our neurobiology. We are multitasking. We are working for long stretches of time. And our prefrontal cortex has a four to six hour battery life. So we're not engineered to be, you know, going from back-to-back meetings. We're multitasking. Again, so detrimental to our brain. So we are using technology in ways that are out of alignment with our brain's and bodies' operating system. So I think there are three reasons. Our digital load, In March 2021, Microsoft users sent 40.6 billion more emails than what they did in the previous year in the month alone. So from month to month comparison, by 2021, we were sending 40.6 Microsoft users alone. This is not including Gmail and other providers. So lots of people saying, you know, I'm contemplating email bankruptcy. I am just so constantly bombarded. And you know, this this desire to try and accommodate that increased digital load has meant many people are multitasking and it is just so detrimental. So, you know, it's a paradigm shifting moment in time as we redefine new ways of working. My suggestion is that organisations have to find ways of working that match our neurobiological
0: needs, our, our basically our biological blueprint. I'm going to dive in so I don't lose the track of some of the goals that you just shared. You just talked about what multitasking is obviously a huge one. What are some of the other habits and practices that you are seeing at the moment that are kind of the most, maybe the it's the wrong word, damaging, but are contributing the most to stress and burnout? Something as simple
1: as our notifications and alerts. We have a brain that is biologically designed to go and forage, hunt and seek information. Mm-hmm. In years gone by, we used to go and read an encyclopedia or we used to go and get information that suited at a time that suited us. We used to get information at a volume, at a cadence, and at a time that was congruent for our needs. But in the digital world, the reverse has happened and information is constantly being thrust at us. Alerts, notifications, reminders, pings and dings, they've become the soundtrack of our day. And so these alerts and notifications are what I call little micro-stressors. They may seem really benign, but these little alerts and notifications trick our brain into thinking that they're urgent and important. The fact that they come to us, again, puts us in an alert, aroused state. Our brain can't differentiate between an email notification and a tiger chasing us. We are in this arousal state, and as humans, we are designed to deal with stress. We are, however, designed to deal with short bursts of stress and we are designed to close the stress cycle. But today, in our constantly digitally bombarded world, where notifications and alerts and information is constantly coming to us, we don't have short bursts of stress, and we very rarely close the stress cycle. You go from one email to the next email. You go from one virtual meeting to the next. And so we don't ever feel like we're getting that the closure on that stress cycle. So notifications, I think, are a big way. And they're not only adding to our stress – they put a huge dent in our productivity. Let's say we're writing a report and we're in that deep focus state and all of a sudden we get the ping of an email or our phone rings or maybe we're back in the office and chatty Cathy drops by for another conversation at our door or our desk. What we know is that it takes the average adult 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back into that deep focus state after we have been distracted it's referred to as the resumption lag. Think about how most knowledge workers are spending their day with constant digital distractions. This is, you know, really deadly, not only for
0: our stress levels, but also for our productivity as well. Is digital wellbeing possible and if it is what 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 is what is digital well-being in this current kind of world what should we be aiming for
1: I think digital well-being is possible I often say it is really possible to thrive in the digital world if we use the digital devices both our personal and professional technologies in ways that are congruent with our biological blueprint So digital well-being to me is making sure that we are using technology in ways that supports our physical health our mental well being and also our performance. Something as simple as trying not to bookend our day with technology. If we wake up and do what most of us do, in fact, 90% of adults allegedly reach for their phone before their partner first thing in the morning, we activate our limbic brain, that stress state in our brain. You know, we only need to see one upsetting news story, one curt perhaps terse email, and the, the the amygdala in our brain starts firing, the emotional centre of the brain. Equally, we know that the blue light from our devices is having a really detrimental impact not only on the amount of sleep we're getting because the blue light stops our body making the sleep hormone melatonin, and so the, the smaller level of melatonin production means that it delays the onset of sleep, but it also shrinks the, the length of our deep and our REM sleep phases. These are phases critical for that deep restorative sleep. And this is when memory consolidation takes place. So coming up with what I call your digital guardrails, you know, what are the times of the day when you are going to use technology and when won't you? Putting in place, again, practices and habits in a digital amputation or aiming for inbox zero or going on a digital detox are not pragmatic, sustainable strategies. It's about how can we use technology, but use it in ways that that meets our biological needs.
0: Yes, I do want to dive into that concept that you use of the digital guardrails. I think that sounds really cool. I know we've been talking a lot about the individual and because I understand that's where we each feel stress and burnout. I'm so curious in a work front, I talk to lots of people who, even though nothing has been said necessarily, they're they're feeling a burden. They're feeling pressure to maintain, to keep up with. To uh, that, there's an expectation in terms of turnaround times or being online or, or all of those kinds of things. And I'm curious about what can leaders do to better. I think you talked about before aligning the ways that we're working with you know how we can get the best out of people and ourselves with the way that you know we're set up as humans how can leaders help their teams do that the most imperative thing that leaders can do at the moment is to establish
1: their organizations digital guardrails this is critical as organizations embrace hybrid work some organizations may continue with fully remote or partial remote work one of the the things that we are seeing as you identified is People, they're often not articulated norms and and rules. There are many unspoken expectations that we have adopted, especially over the last couple of years. And one of them, I'm, I'm saying, we're seeing a trend called digital presenteeism. Now that many of us are not consistently in the office, what we have done is we want to be seen to be productive. So we will instantly reply to the, the Slack message. We will reply at 11pm at night to our colleague's email or to our leader's email. And this digital presenteeism is really detrimental again to well-being and productivity. So to counter that, really effective leaders are co-establishing their digital guardrails. And these are the organizations, or sometimes it's even at a more granular team level. These are like your team agreements. What are the digital norms, practices, principles, and protocols around how you will use technology? So actually articulating Do you need to have your camera on in every virtual meeting? Could some of our virtual meetings be better off being an asynchronous form of communication? Maybe it's a working document that we work through in lieu of us all sitting on another Zoom or a Webex call. It is coming up with your what I call your tech expectations around email response rates, How quickly do you need to turn those around internally and externally? Do you have, as part of your digital guardrails, a communication escalation plan? The reason many people say they can't switch off and have a a psychological break from their work is because they worry, I'm going to miss a critical piece of information. Or what happens if there's an emergency and I'm not across it? If you've got an articulated, delineated escalation plan, you know there will be one channel through which we will be communicated with if there's a critical incident. And I usually recommend a good old-fashioned phone call because there's no ambiguity as to whether someone read the email, whether they understood what their next actions were, but actually taking the time to articulate these practices that work for your organisation and your team are absolutely critical to making hybrid work work. I really want to re- reiterate, it's not a policy. A lot of people say, is it our, our technology policy? It is not. I'm working with teams and we co-establish. It's a very iterative process. But actually, you know, figuring out through focus groups what's working within your organisation. You know, we want to retain the parts of hybrid or remote work that work really well. But at the same time, we need to look at the elements that need some tweaking or need some guardrails. um, Just so we've got some firmer parameters. And everyone has clear expectations. The other benefit of having these guardrails is that it means you can call people out in a very appropriate way, but you, you've got sort of these articulated norms, whereas at the moment
0: many of us are just making up the rules on the fly. Yes, I think I see many people doing that. I love that you refer to doing that as in terms of co-establishing, that there is a partnership, a, a co-design element with the team, with your employees around that. Very important. Makes a lot of sense. Um, let's just... I'd love to get your take on hybrid working and hybrid as a model. And I understand, of course, people are figuring out what there's probably a million different ways to do it. Do you think that hybrid can be supportive of productivity for an organisation? You've given me goosebumps. I, I often
1: say I think, and I want to articulate this is predominantly for knowledge workers, frontline workers often don't have the, the same scope in terms of being able to work in a hybrid or remote way. That will soon change, I might point out, but at the moment this is an affordance usually geared more towards knowledge workers and that is, I think the silver lining of the pandemic for knowledge workers is not that we've got more flexibility or flexible work arrangements. I think that the most exciting opportunity, and this is why I believe it's a paradigm-shifting moment, is that we can now create more productive work arrangements. Now, longer are we bound to the nine-to-five in-the-office five days a week schedule. The true benefit, I believe, for knowledge workers is especially around flexibility in terms of our schedules. We now know 94% of knowledge workers are saying they would want flexibility around when they work. 78% want flexibility around where they work, location flexibility, but time flexibility is the biggest thing people are saying that they want. And this is where I go back to how can we use that to map the workday with our neurobiology? And one of the key things that we have is something called our chronotype. And our chronotype is our biological predisposition to be alert and focused at particular times of the day. And we fall into one of three categories. We're either the lark, the early bird, and we fire on all cylinders early in the morning. You all know who your larks are on your team. They're the annoying colleagues firing off emails at eight o'clock. They're suggesting a team stand-up meeting at at 7 a.m. Then you've got your middle bird. And and their energy peaks usually between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. That's about 65% of the population. And a smaller proportion of us are owls. And our energy fires on all cylinders late in the afternoon and into the evening. Now that we aren't forced to be adhering to a 9 to 5 workday, we've now got the opportunity to set up our workdays, depending on your personal situations, but where you can, doing your deep focused work in a time that matches your chronotype's biology. And this, I think, is revolutionary. A couple of years ago before the pandemic, American Airlines actually mapped some of their pilots' chronotypes and started to offer them schedules that were aligned with their chronotype. This is a a huge game changer. That's cool. Yeah. I certainly want my pilot flying when his, you know, his peak performance window... And so we've got the opportunity to set up our workday so that it is aligned with our chronotype. And when we do that, our productivity skyrockets because we are working within our biological blueprint. And not only does our productivity increase, our well-being just naturally does as well because we are working the way that we are designed to. We're we're more or less following what I call our HOS, our human operating system. This, I think, is
0: the changer that is very exciting the way that you've just put that and the energy that you shared it with there's so much opportunity there that is really exciting and I also just want to take this opportunity to apologize to all my non-lucky uh (laughs) colleagues who I know I I drive them crazy so
1: (laughs) email me I'm up at I'm an early bird too one of the things I'm doing with teams is getting them to identify their dominant chronotype because you could be surprised. You may not follow the traditional bell curve. Maybe you do have more larks, and so, or middle birds, or whatever your preference is. This means we get to restructure the day. If we do have more people that are those early birds, why are we putting shallow work at the start of our day? Why are we having team meetings? That should really be reserved for that deep productive work. So it really gears. you know, I think it's a game changer.
0: Oh, that's such an exciting prompt for leaders to use when they're having conversations with their teams. What a great invitation. Talk about that and then think about how you can design the workday around that if you have that flexibility. Amazing, amazing. Now, I know that we started with the individual. We kind of have been talking about organisational. I want to come back to the individual because something that I see and have heard over and over is that it is very challenging for people to switch off at the end of the day. That seems like it is a real struggle for many people at the moment and particularly kind of logging off in a way where there's no guilt, there's no sense of fear, that sometimes I've heard that people feel a bit scared around that for whatever reason. I'd love to know why is it so hard for us to log off, guilt-free at the end of the day? And what can we do to kind of help us build comfort with that? So you're not alone in acknowledging that is a
1: fear. A Cisco report was just published a couple of weeks ago and 67% of respondents said that they struggled to disconnect. Wow, that many, wow. We're not machines. And so I often say to people, we are biologically designed to work in sprints, not marathons. We need to take a break. We can never be fully on. If we're never fully off. And when you give people the science behind why brakes are actually beneficial not only to our well-being but our performance, I often use the analogy of race car drivers. They actually don't need to take pit stops. The reason that they do take pit stops is that they can so they can finish the race in an optimal condition. They get their tires pumped up, they do a grease and oil change. You can tell I know nothing about cars um (laughs) sounded good to me i was with you i I was like yes okay (laughs) we need to take what i call peak performance pit stops we have to take breaks and one of the reasons i think that we are struggling to switch off is because in the online world we enter something that's called the state of insufficiency in the online world we never feel done we never feel complete Inbox zero is an artificial state. It's a momentary period in your day, if ever, that it exists. So there's always another email, another message, another YouTube video you can watch, another Netflix show you can binge on. And so the online world's a bottomless bowl. There's no stopping cues. And so what I think is it's that factor, the fact that there is always just this constant onslaught of information, but the other reason why is because technology's crept into every crevice of our lives and our work and home lives have never become more, you know, the boundaries have never been more obliterated or or blurred. And so we have to create rituals that send a message to our brain that the day is done. If we know we've got emails on our phones or on our laptop and we see our laptop, it can be a psychological trigger for us to use it. So we have to create predictable rituals. Maybe it is putting your laptop somewhere where you can't see it. Maybe it is listening to a particular playlist that you only listen to at the end of the day. Maybe it's taking the dog for a walk. I've got a gentleman who I'm working with at the moment. He gets in the car because he's working remotely and he drives around the block as though he's driving home from work, and then he comes back in the garage and he gets changed. Maybe it's making a particular drink. Maybe it's lighting a candle. These really powerful cognitive associations help us feel like we can switch off.
0: Oh, so great. Thank you so much for all of those practical suggestions. I feel like Well, that is going to be hugely, hugely valuable for people. That's something that they can start doing straight away today. You can make a plan about how, what a ritual, something you're going to do when it is time to indicate that you are finishing work for the day, that you are logging off so that you can kind of support that mental switch. That's amazing. You know, I feel like I could just ask you questions and listen all day because you are just... A wealth of information. I've learned so much in this conversation. Thank you. I want you to know you're not going to be able to get rid of me now. Thank you. Got my email address. So far away, <laughs>
1: early in the morning, you'll get a uh, reply. <laughs> I don't check my emails in the morning. It's my deep work time. So you'll be getting a
0: reply. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Now, let me know, how can uh, other people who would like to get in contact or keep this conversation going with you, what is the best way for them to get in contact? Yes. So the irony isn't
1: lost on me um, that I'm encouraging people to curtail their digital habits, but um, (laughs) I try to share practical and digestible information predominantly on LinkedIn and also on Instagram. So depending on what your digital preference
0: is, And we will link to uh, you all over the internet, including your website as well. And I know that there is, you have a great white paper about hybrid work on your website and we'll make sure that we link to that as well so that people can check that out. I think that's definitely worth a quick read and very eye-opening. Thank you so much for your time today. So much gold, so much gold. I can't wait for people to hear this and start taking some of these actions to improve their digital well-being thank you Kate I've enjoyed the conversation oh thank you so much have a great rest of the day you too bye